0: Uh, hey, good morning, and welcome to Fremont Community Church. My name is Matt, and I'm the pastor of communications here at FCC. I'm so excited to be a part of our Preacher's Choice series, uh, and a little throwback to, to Jeopardy there. I grew up watching a lot of Jeopardy, because um, my mom really liked it, but um, I am excited to talk about a, uh, a topic that's really meaningful to me today. We're talking about wisdom. Uh, and as the, uh, the youngest pastor here on staff, uh, I have a lot to learn. And so I like to choose passages that, that I speak on uh, and really focus in on the part that is most challenging for me. And so I am very blessed to have a lot of very wise co-workers uh, who can advise me uh, on um, everyday sort of things, especially with having a baby on the way. There is uh, <laughs> a lot that I know that I don't know. Uh, and so I'm very blessed, uh, to be in this position that I'm in. And I I know, uh, just by, by reading through some of these books that we're going to cover today, that I need to be aware that I have blind spots. Um, and so we're going to talk about the books of wisdom, uh, which, uh, you, you may know, uh, there are uh, a couple of books of wisdom, three in particular, that we're going to talk about today. And those are the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Job. Uh, and now this, uh, I, as I was uh, running through it, I realized that, that I maybe bit off a little bit more than I could chew, uh, trying to speak about three books of the Bible in, in one message, uh, but um, we are going to, to jump right in and uh, and try to Um, Solve all of the mysteries of the universe in less than 30 minutes. So uh, (laughs) I would like to hear, though, uh, what is some of the the wisest advice that you've received? Um, Anyone share in your community time? Any wise advice that that we can learn from? Feel free to shout it out. There's There's always something. Yep. There's always something going on in life. Give 10%, save 10%. That's good. Love your, neighbors like you love, yourself. Mm, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a good one. Respond rather than react. Ooh, respond rather than react. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so this first book of the Bible that we are going to talk about today, the book of Proverbs, uh, is a book of essentially crowdsourced wisdom. Uh, and so they, uh, the, the author of the book of Proverbs uh, went through and collected wisdom uh, that has been passed down through generations. And, and so that's why if you open up to the book of Proverbs in just a random passage, you'll probably get uh, a bunch of lines of disconnected pieces of wisdom. Uh, like uh, a fool is, is like someone who pulls on the ears of a stray dog. Uh, like, okay, at, at some point, someone pulled on the ears of a stray dog, and they got bit. And, uh, and they said, you know what? That's a really good metaphor for people who are foolish. Uh, and so they told it to their kids, and their kids told it to their friends, and eventually got passed down through the generations and uh, got written down as a piece of wisdom. And so um, we are going to, to talk about that first, but I want us to look first at uh, these three books of the Bible. Now these images are all going to be from a YouTube channel called The Bible Project. Uh, And uh, they are just so great at creating excellent imagery uh, for uh, passages of the Bible, whole books of the Bible, and making it really easy to understand. And uh, I'll, I'll have to say that the only reason I got through seminary is because of the Bible project. Uh, because it's, it's really difficult to, to look at this whole Bible, book of the Bible, uh, and just read and understand and say, I got it. Uh, and so it helps to have a lot of context on these things. Uh, but the, the way that they describe Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job are in these three characters. Uh, the first is a young, idealistic teacher, uh, someone who uh, is really excited and happy to be teaching. Uh, they have crowdsourced all this wisdom, and they're excited to pass it on to the next generation. Uh, the the next individual, uh, representing the book of Ecclesiastes, is this middle-aged critic, someone who has lived a little bit more life and is taking a look at uh, this conventional wisdom and saying, hmm... I don't know if that is 100% true all of the time. And then finally, uh, this this third character is uh, a a weathered old man, someone who has lived uh, a long and full life and is able to to look back and say, I've been in the shoes of the teacher, I've been in the shoes of the critic, and here's what I have learned. And so as we we talk about these things, I'd like us to imagine these three uh, individuals sitting down over a cup of coffee, and uh, sitting at the same table and discussing what wisdom is. And so we're gonna start, uh, like I said, with the book of Proverbs, and we are going to jump in. This is Proverbs 1, verses one to seven. If you're ever looking for the context of a Bible passage, the uh, beginning of the book is typically a good place to start because it it explains what is going on here. Uh, So this says, "The, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insights, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction." Now, we are going to to jump in a little bit more to this idea of the fear of the Lord today. And that is kind of a confusing statement. Would you agree? Raise of hands. Who agrees? Fear of the Lord. I thought God was supposed to be good. Right, why should we fear God? And so uh, the book of Proverbs actually spends the first nine chapters discussing this idea of the fear of the Lord. Uh, But it doesn't give a a really full picture of, of what it looks like. But then chapters 10 through 31, Goes on, uh, and it has this crowdsourced wisdom. Uh, and so, we're not going to go through and, and read 21 chapters of wisdom uh, today, uh, but I, I do want to focus in on this Hebrew word, right? Um, and Hebrew is, is a really fun language to learn uh, because it's uh, <laughs> pronounced very uh it's a very guttural language so you have to speak from your throat and so i'm going to say this this word and then i'd, I'd like uh, everyone to say it back to me this is chokmah. Yeah, very good. Okay, so Hokma means skill or wisdom. And so uh, when we say the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom, things like that, depending on your translation, wisdom is this word chokmah. And this is uh, wisdom, not just for the sake of being wise, but wisdom from experience, wisdom from skill. Uh, the analogy that's used is, is that of a craftsman who has poured time and energy into their work, into their labor. There was a study that was done done uh, among pottery students where uh, half of the students were told uh, I need you to make the most perfect clay pots possible. The other half of the students were told I need you to make the most clay pots possible. And It turned out that the group that made the most clay pots that was tasked with making the most actually made more perfect pots than the ones that were tasked with the perfection. Because they honed their craft, they were able to shape these pots, and, and they yes, the first pots were probably pretty terrible. Uh, I know nothing about pottery, and so if I went in and tried to make clay pots, they would probably be really bad. Uh, but if I then made 100 clay pots over the course of this study, then I feel like I would get pretty good at it. And I would say, you know what? I'm pretty good at making clay pots. But uh, the challenge of trying to, to get everything perfect on the first try was that they didn't have that experience of trying and failing and trying again. And so that's what this uh, wisdom is from the book of Proverbs. And so it's a very happy-go-lucky perspective on life. If you do good things, then good things will happen to you. It's kind of like karma. Uh, if you live a righteous and good life and follow the wisdom passed down from generations, then good things will happen. It's very good to to receive wisdom, to know that we should save and we should invest, we should give, that we should love our neighbors, things like that. Um, the the thing that the book of Proverbs most directly addresses is that there is an observable order to the universe. There are rules. If we are playing a game, and the game of life, right, Uh, not the actual literal board game, game of life, but if life was a board game, we can look and we can say, okay, if I invest my money wisely, then my money will grow. If I don't pull on a stray dog's ears, I'm less likely to get bitten, right? Uh, There is an observable order, cause and effect, to the universe, and we can write that down, we can pass it down through the generations, and we can live a good life. That brings us to the perspective of The Critic, the book of Ecclesiastes. I really like this book um, because it, it kind of takes a look at this young idealistic teacher's wisdom and says, okay, yeah, I agree with you, but I'm not sure that that's the case all the time. And so we're going to go ahead and look at this passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, This this is the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. So this guy has lived a little bit more life than the other guy, which, spoiler alert, it's the same guy, for the most part. Um, this is, uh, both of those books are uh, at least inspired by King Solomon, uh, and so he he collects all of this wisdom, and he applies it, and he studies it. He asks God for wisdom, and God grants him this extreme wisdom, and he he applies himself to, to studies, and he, he reaches the end of, of all of this information that has been given to him, and he says, I still don't get it. <laughs> and that's so maddening and so frustrating. And he says, I'm supposed to be the wisest person. God himself gave me wisdom. I have, I've done everything right. So why, why don't I get it still? Why aren't things adding up? And so uh, I, I want to introduce a, another Hebrew word to us right now. I'll say it, and then if you could say it back, this is Hebel. Yeah, very good. Um, So Hebel means vapor or breath, and this is a more accurate uh, translation. Some of your Bibles might say meaningless, right? We we read from the NIV, it says that uh, it was meaningless to go after these things. Uh, I would say that it was not meaningless because although Solomon failed in his attempt to understand the cosmos, he still learned that there was more for him to learn. There is a, a failing forward uh, to, to learning, to understanding wisdom. And so uh, other translations might say it's, it's madness, it's chaos. Even when you think that you have everything figured out in life, the rules change. And so he, he observes this, and he observes three variables that aren't accounted for in this conventional wisdom. Solomon notes that time marches on. No matter what, time still moves forward. Whether you make good decisions or bad decisions, time is still going to move forward. The second is that we are all going to die. You can tell that this is kind of a heavy book. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, again, that's why we, we look at the image of, of a critic who's, who's poking holes in this idea of the teacher. Eventually, everything ends in death. And he, he goes a little bit dark here and says, we are no different than animals, because animals live and animals die. Humans live and humans die. So everything is meaningless. Well, great. I think we're done here for today. Glad I inspired you. Uh, Number three is life's random nature. Even when you do everything right, even King Solomon when he, he pursued wisdom more than any other king, life is still random. You still get to the end and there's no answer. You go on a vacation at the end of summer to Maui and all of a sudden everything's on fire. It's unfortunate. It's terrible and there's no way to predict that that was going to happen. Life is just random. Bad things happen to good people. That's actually the question that I get asked most when I say that I believe in God. Well, if you believe that God is good, then how come bad things happen to good people? And King Solomon would say something along the lines of, well, that's because everything is meaningless. Everything is vapor. Everything is like trying to catch smoke. You can see it, but you can't grab it. You can see the wind moving the trees, but you can't hold on to the wind. Just when you think you have a grasp on things, things change. Life is random and unfortunate, and there are variables in life. And so out of this darkness of Ecclesiastes, we can learn that there are exceptions to the order of the universe. And this is sad at times, but it's important for us to be aware of it. And if we just left off here, if we only read the book of Ecclesiastes to gain wisdom, we would leave feeling pretty sad and pretty down. If we left here today reading only the book of Proverbs, we might feel a lot better However, we would go out and experience life and we would encounter these variables, these exceptions to the rules and say, okay, well, Pastor Matt didn't tell us about that. So what does that say about God? And that's, that's why it's important for us as, as the, the pastors who, who speak here at FCC for us as Christians in general to look at everything in context. It's not just the book of Proverbs. It's not just the book of Ecclesiastes. It's the book of Job that rounds out not three perspectives on what wisdom is, but one unified holistic perspective on what wisdom is. So we are going to journey now into the story of Job. Job is, again, he's this weathered old man And Job, when he was young, he lived a righteous life. If the book of Proverbs was around, he was the embodiment of it, right? If it had been written at that point, he lived a righteous life. He had a wife. He had kids. He had livestock. He had friends. He had uh, plentiful fields that produced good crops. And God is proud of Job. He says, look at Job. Job. Job gets it. He is living a good life. And there's an opposer in God's courts that says, okay, well, are you sure that Job's not just gaming the system? Right? You've created this order to the universe. That's great. But what if he's not actually righteous? What if he's just following everything that he thinks he's supposed to do and it's working out because that's how you designed it? And so God says, go ahead, test him. Do whatever you want to him. And I will show you that Job is still going to be righteous because I know that Job loves me. And so this opposer goes and, uh, and begins to test Job and take all of these blessings away from him, things that he rightfully deserved because he followed the wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs. He did everything right. So good things should happen to him. But his crops withered, his livestock died, his children were crushed underneath a building. It's a very dark start to this book. Eventually he's tested more and and Job is inflicted with with pain and sores and he's going through this uh, emotional roller coaster of, I believe that God is righteous and good, but why is this happening? I believe that God is just, but I haven't done anything to deserve all this pain and this suffering. And although it's sad, I feel like we can relate to that, right? We can relate in life when when things have, have gone poorly for us for an inexplicable reason. It's because life is random and there is chance and Job just had this random encounter that is boggling his mind. And his his friends come and and they're trying to, to say, Well, Jove, you must have done something. You must be hiding some some crazy sin from us. Like, what did you do? And they're all speculating for chapters and chapters. His friends are accusing him of doing all of these terrible things, and he's he's saying, no, I, I haven't done that, and I know God is good, but then why is this happening? And his wife even at one point says, why don't you just curse God and die so that the suffering can be over? And eventually Job has this mental break, and he starts yelling at God, and he says, God, you are a liar. You... You he, he claim to rule from justice and what is rights, but that is not what I'm experiencing. And he, he says, God, I need you to come down here and answer to me for why I am suffering like this. And what's crazy is that God actually listens to him. He actually shows up and he takes Job on this virtual tour of the universe. And he shows Job the the highest peaks of mountains. He shows him the depths of the oceans. He shows great chaotic beasts that live in these areas that, that are completely chaotic, but still a part of God's ordered plan. And Job looks at all of this and he says, Wow, I understand none of this. And I think that's another thing that makes Job so relatable because sometimes we look at life and it doesn't make any sense. And Job goes on. And and I I believe that when we talk about the fear of the Lord, right? This word fear is our last Hebrew word. It's if you could repeat this Yaira, this means awe or fear or reverence. And I think it's important in in a a context like this when you have a word in your Bible that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when we look at the word meaningless or the fear of the Lord. We have to understand that the Bible was not written in English, right? The Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek. And we have to understand these original languages to understand that, oh, when they say fear in English, it means oh my gosh, I am afraid of how much I don't get this. (laughs) I am in awe of how great God is because he has control and order of all of this, which makes no sense to me. (laughs) And what's so frustrating, but also so important about this, is that Job never gets his question answered. There's this whole dialogue of things going up in, in God's courts. He doesn't tell Job about this testing or, or that, you know, oh, you know, Job, you were just so righteous. I wanted to prove that, that humanity could be righteous. The, the purpose of Job's suffering was that he was proving God's point. Like, what is more righteous than that? To, to be the evidence for God, for creation that we have the potential to live a good life, to live righteously, even when we're suffering. If he knew that, I feel like it would be so easy. Like, yeah, God, I got you. Put me through the ringer. I will go to hell and back for you. But he doesn't know that. And he he comes to the other side of this, understanding that he's not going to understand. And that's where we get this idea of the fear of the Lord. And and we're going to hear from Job in this passage, Job 42, one to six. Job has just been on this virtual tour. He says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is Job saying, I concede my points because obviously there is so much going on behind the scenes that I can never understand. And this is why Job is, is the weathered old man because he has been humbled by God, humbled by life. He's lived a good life and had it all taken away. And now he understands that there is nuance to the order and exceptions of the universe that we can never possibly get. (laughs) We live such shallow human perspectives. If we look at the timeline of all of earth from God's perspective, we're just a blip on the radar. And it's so incredible that he loves us, (laughs) even though we're just a small blip with our short human lifespan. But God said to Job, okay, Job, if you're so confident, why don't you run the earth for the day? <laughs> and Job backed off real quick. <laughs> because there is such wisdom that God has that we can never have. He has a better perspective than we do. And so I imagine this weathered old man sitting down with the teacher and the critic and listening to them go back and forth about these things, about we need to fear the Lord, okay, yes, but there's these things in life we can't explain. And he just laughs. (laughs) Because he's been both of them. And he's now lived a full life. And luckily, the story of Job doesn't end on that note of, of just him suffering. God restores everything to him double. He remarries, he has more children, his livestock flourish, his fields flourish. But he never has his question answered. And as I invite the, the band back up, I think it's important for us to understand that we're not going to have it all figured out. The Bible is so confusing that we have to go and search and dig into ancient languages to understand it. And even then, we just scratched the surface of what God has intended for us. This wisdom has been passed down through generations and assembled into this book so that we can grow closer to God. And we can understand that there is so much more going on behind the scenes than we could ever imagine. And so if you have questions about life, things that don't make sense, if you feel like you're striving to be a good person and live a good life and things are still going wrong, I, I can't give you the answers. That's because we're not supposed to have them. God created this world. There is order to it. There is nuance to it that we can never understand. We're never going to have all of our questions answered. That's why Ecclesiastes says, I learned everything I could and I still don't get it. We may not ever get it, but at least we can know that we're not alone in not getting it. We all have questions. Asking those questions is important. Pondering, having these conversations is important, but understanding that God is the one who has ordered everything. And that even if we can't see it, there is a purpose in our suffering and the things that go wrong. That is where wisdom comes from. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come before you this morning and we We acknowledge and know and understand that there are things in life that just don't make sense. And we have felt like Job, crying out and and wondering why this is happening, why there is pain and suffering in a good world. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do people have to die? God, we we lay all these questions before you because there's no way that we could possibly understand. There's no way we could possibly get it. And God, we need you. We need your wisdom. We need to look at you with awe and say, there's something going on here behind the scenes that makes this make sense. So God, we ask you for wisdom. For the wisdom passed down through generations, we thank you. For an understanding of how life works, we thank you. And God, when we have questions and pain and suffering that can't be explained from our rationale, from our perspective, God, we beg you for wisdom. Give us understanding and give us peace like Job has peace in knowing that our suffering is not the end of the story of God, but you have all things under control. It's in your name we pray. Amen.